Welcome to Pip Talk, a podcast featuring interviews with rebels, visionaries, mystics, outliers, change makers, and people I find interesting. I am your host, Pip. Today, we are talking with Ron Kanetsky. Ron has Ojibwe and Cree roots and is from the Bear Clan. He is a band member of the Red Rock Indian Band, Lake Helen First Nation, with his grandmother's roots from the Moose Cree Nation. As a family man, married for 24 years, and with his wife's support and dedication, has assisted in raising 25 children in addition to his own. He has been drug and alcohol-free for 31 years, which he feels has grounded him to be a better version of himself. Ron is a Confederation College graduate, native child and family worker, 1991, and a President's Medal recipient. He is an energetic social worker, cultural teacher, group facilitator, college instructor, comedian, promoter, and musician who is a long-term resident of the Ogden East End community in Thunder Bay, Ontario. As a sole proprietor of With Care Consulting and Ron Knutsky Comedy, he works diligently through Canada and the USA to wherever he is called, which is currently Nan Hope. He believes in the power of spirit and the importance of connection. Hi, Ron. Hey, Pip. So you have a lot of activities listed in your bio, and you say that you're an energetic social worker, cultural teacher, all that stuff. Where does all that energy come from? Where does my energy come from? Um, I just, I think it comes from just having a purposeful life. It's about being interested in what you do and, and uh, enjoy what you do. Uh, I don't look, I, I actually don't know why I use the word worker because I'm, I'm truly don't look at it as work. I think if I did, I wouldn't enjoy it anymore. So when I, I think when I call it a passion uh, or an interest, I'm truly invested in it versus something that I feel that I have to do. So I think that's where I think that's where the energy truly comes from is because I enjoy doing what I do. Mm. That's great. That's great. Mm. Um, so how did you come to be a cultural teacher? Well, I guess it's just um, through just through my experiences, right? And just when you put when you invest time and energy into something and uh, you start to gather under, you gather understanding and knowledge and particular things. And then from there uh, you start to, it's more about being acknowledged by your peers or people around you. It's, mm. it's something that's kind of, it becomes handed to you as, as opposed to um, getting qualified for it or taking training for it in the in the sort of the educational sense it's more of um pra practicing and living by something and then and people acknowledging that and and then sort of giving you the I guess the go-ahead or I, I don't want to say the permission but definitely the go-ahead to 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 carry out or to uh, or to share that information with others because the, there's individuals believe you can do it in a good you can do it in a good way okay um, could you tell me about any of your teachers? Well, there's, there's been so many um, interesting people, you know, in my life and uh, in my time. And, uh, but, 
you know, individuals that stand out uh, to me are uh, Harry Lightfeather, um, Ignace Pondebens, of course, uh, first and foremost, I should always mention him. Um, my grandfather was important to me. Um, many of his friends from Lake Nipigon. Like, like it's, there's so many people that I could talk about, right? Based, and it would be, it would depend on what I was talking about, sort of like what teachings or, or what was being passed, uh, passed down to me. Um, another great individual is Gilbert Smith uh, from the Katrinan First Nation or Northwest, uh, Northwest Bay. There's just uh, so many uh, gifted individuals that I had an opportunity of meeting and spending time with. So, um, and it was, and it was just by having that experience with the individuals, just some of the interesting things that I, that I learned that I didn't know before, you know? Okay. So, yeah. That's great. How did you come to do such a wide variety of activities? You really uh, you know, do a lot of different things. Well, i I, I, I think I just naturally have a lot of interests. I, I find that um, I find so many things in, in the world that are interesting. And as, as I'm progressing, as I get older, I, I'm always, I actually feel like I'm, I have a lot of regret. It's kind of like, why didn't, why didn't I learn more about that? Why didn't I learn more about this? Why didn't I learn more about that? Why didn't I participate in this? Why didn't I participate in that? As opposed to saying, look at all the things you've done. I always say, look what I didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, sometimes I think in my life I got stagnant and kind of was just comfortable of being where I was at but uh, for the most part I'm always interested in I'm always interested in new things and um, I think over time sometimes my my interests expand so if I get introduced to something it's kind of like I'd like to know more about that or I'd like to learn more about that and then from there I kind of I carry on right and I just sort of pick up from that where I'm at and I just go I'm going to go learn more about that okay yeah what are the ways that the the, these different activities that you do how do they work together how do they kind of conflict like what's the dynamic of trying Uh, to balance that all (laughs) that's probably been the most difficult that's been the most difficult uh part of 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 this all is how I'm not going to say how I perceive it. It's but how how different people in society perceive things. So some of them truly don't go together in in many people's minds. Hmm. So so for example, culture and spirituality uh, doesn't blend well with comedy. Uh, spirituality and and music, particularly punk rock or heavy metal, uh, rock and roll, does not go together. And so. There's a lot of um, perceptions of that people tell me that, you know, if you're if you're doing this, you shouldn't do that. If you're doing this, you shouldn't do that. And I, I will get uh, opinions from from uh, from others. They'll say that how oh, that's not really good to mix those things together. Um, for example, I even heard sometimes from some people they would say, if you're going to practice medicine, you're going to practice uh, ceremony and healing you shouldn't run run in politics you shouldn't in other words you shouldn't be a you're going to be a medicine man you shouldn't be a chief i remember Hmm. different elders sharing that with me that like there's just some things they say don't don't go together and and i guess that's what people have always said to me about some of the things that i the interests that i have some of these things don't really blend together and um 
so it so it's it's kind of like drug and alcohol counselor, uh, and then uh, punk rocker. Kind of like <laughs> really how how did like how do these two go hand in hand? You know, uh, yeah. one's about being wild and living on the edge, and and then the other one's more about uh, being you know um, being open to things, but also being uh, being safe and doing things in a good way. So definitely not about being wild right it's about being more uh i don't want to say the word conservative but definitely um maybe a little bit more um prudent organized organized or Hmm. yeah i i don't know i I can't (laughs) even think of the term reserved maybe Uh that would be the word yeah maybe uh to be more reserved and to be calm okay yeah because because some of the music that I sing, the, like the things that I sing about, if I look at the song and I look at the lyrics, I'm kind of like, wow, that really doesn't go with what I believe in, really, <laughs> you know, or, or what I practice or, sure. or, or what I live by, right? So, sure. And a like lot it, of like, music. Like, 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 like I sing a song that says, I, I want to be sedated. And I'm kind of like, well, not really, because <laughs> sedated may be in a peaceful frame of mind, but not with, not with uh, drugs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, in music culture does tend to have, you know, behind the scenes, a lot of alcohol and drug use um, mm-hmm. as sort of part of the culture. I think what the, uh, you know, people have told you about not being a chief and a medicine person, like makes a lot of sense to me, because yeah. I can see that conflict. Um, but yeah. I don't know if I see a conflict between uh, spirituality and comedy, because I've seen you be pretty funny in spiritual circles. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. that yeah, it's, I guess it pertains what I bring into the circle, but yeah. there there is a there is sort of an alter ego to me that does stuff that people consider to be very inappropriate and and sort of um, not uh, yeah. Let's just say that some people say I there's things that I do that aren't appropriate. <laughs> so okay. I'll just leave it. At that. Yeah, there are some boundaries that you have to draw there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I would love to hear um you know in as much detail as you would feel comfortable sharing sort of your journey with addiction and recovery well um this is it's kind of weird I I used to talk fairly frequently about it and then it seems like I went through a period of time where it hasn't been a major part of my discussion so I thought it was quite interesting when you asked about it I was like, wow, I haven't, I haven't told this story in a while. And then I was curious, I was actually curious. I wonder if how close it'll be from my original uh, sharing, you know, when you, because I honestly, I don't think I've talked about it during the entire COVID period. So huh. we're looking at, we're looking at a good solid two years that, uh, that I haven't shared anything about that because I haven't really been in, in, in those types of uh i guess situations where people have asked to to hear that per se even though i've been doing some virtual circles and things like that Mm -hmm. but um i guess i guess to start to start with the story and um i don't know how detailed it'll be uh today but uh i'll tell you the reason why i chose to do it and first first was um i decided that it wasn't um 
it wasn't helping me to be, uh, I guess, um, successful. And by, by successful, I don't mean like financially, I mean more around socially um, and uh, sort of like functioning amongst other people. So I, that was sort of the big part. And, and I think the other reason being was is because I kind of blame it. I kind of blame substance use, but our, our, I guess I should say I blame my behavior for the loss of um, and the failure of my first uh, relationship and, and, and uh, sort of my, I guess my first possibility of a family. So I, I think it, uh, it played part and parcel in the, in the destruction of that. So um, I decided that the first thing I need to do is to uh, remove sub substances from my life. And then uh, before I decide to uh, even consider dating or marriage again, because uh, I just felt it would, it would sort of be the demise of the relationship. And I figured I've already, so I've already should have learned from this the first time. So that's pretty much why I did what I did. And I, and I think I'm fairly fortunate. I started in my early twenties hmm. and um, so it wasn't something I, I've lived through my life, like knocking around back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I figured it out pretty quick that this has to go in order for me to be successful. So that's, that's sort of in a nutshell why I did it. So the when part is um, back in the early 90s when I started to uh, participate in ceremony. And that's, and, and that's how I sort of achieved it. It wasn't done sort of through the traditional means that people seem to do that now, like through AA and, uh, or NA, sort of Narcotics Anonymous or Alcohol Anonymous. And so I, I've, I've never really went to meetings. I've um, never went, went to treatment centers. I did, uh, I did all my healing through ceremony. And um, I think I was very blessed that I received, I received it really quickly. Um, I didn't have relapses. I didn't have cravings. I didn't have all these things that people, I hear people talk about. It was kind of like, I wanted to make a change in my life. I went and seen some elders. They gave me some instructions. I never did it again. And I feel kind of bad sometimes because I watch how, how many people really struggle with it. And, and it was like, it wasn't a struggle. Once the decision was made and I like to see people to guide me on what not to do, I just never did it anymore. And it, and it wasn't an issue. So I, I always say I was really blessed because I received it. I received it um, re really easy compared to some. Hmm. Um, so how, how I received it, I guess, is um, there was a couple key people in my life. Uh, Ignace Quandabens was one. He was, he was the sweat lodge uh, man that I went to see, what we call He's a He was a healer. And um, I went to him primarily. He was the one who guided me. And uh, I also went to Harry Lightfeather. And he was a drum keeper who uh, did a drum ceremony for me. And then after that, I had to um, heal my... Um, 
myself. So there was some steps that I had to take uh, once I would re receive the guidance. So I went fat, I went to a fasting ceremony and it was there where I was given purpose on what to do with my life. So that's how I sort of became, I guess, a social worker per se and working with people because I was guided to do that in the ceremony. It, it's not what I wanted to do initially. I wanted to I wanted to be a rock star at that time. I was still wanted to be uh, wanted to be an entertainer, but while I was on the ceremony, they said that's not what's going to happen. And when I say they, I, I'm talking from a sort of that spiritual realm. I was gifted sort of things that were going to assist me in doing what I needed to do in life, and uh, I accepted that, and it just and it just it came really easily. So. Um, after that, after that fasting ceremony, it was kind of like everything just fell into place really, really quick. Um, and I, it's, it's like I got blueprints or I don't know, some kind of a program, some kind of, I guess some kind of app that just shows me what to do. And it was all, it was just all fell into place really easily. Hmm. Um, I'll stop there. I, I, I don't know what else to share about that. Um, okay. I used to go, I, I, I was probably times I could go on for an hour and a half about that. I remember doing workshops and people would sit and listen to this, this very long story that I used to share. And it's kind of like, oh, I don't know, maybe I just need to trim some of that out of there. So sort of the, those are the key things that kind of come up in my head when, I, when I'm thinking about it today. Okay. Well, I know in my life, I feel like I go through phases where like, I, I can talk at greater length about anything or like I'm more concise. Like, I feel like I sort of go back and forth. I don't know if that's. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, and true, I think it could, it could be the, it could be the environment that I'm in right now. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm sort of in movement right now, but I'm also, I'm at, I'm away from my home. So I'm mm -hmm. sort of, I'm in a different location altogether. I'm, uh, I'm in Minneapolis at the moment. So, I'm out, I'm sort of on the borderline of Ojibwe country, right? I'm just, I'm just, just teetering on the edge of our territory here by the Mississippi river. So I don't know, it's maybe I, it's because I'm, I'm almost out of my, out of my, my neighborhood. I'm not sure, but, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe it's all the brick and cement that's around me. It's limiting me in, in my thinking, as opposed to if I was sitting by a river or maybe sitting with my medicine bag or something like that, or my drum, maybe the story would be a bit different. If I have some of, if I have some of my um, tools with me or some of the things that uh, guide me, if they're sitting with me quite often, uh, the story might change a little bit, right? Or, or sure. more, more, it'll be more in depth. But okay. Yeah. Well, I, I plan on having this podcast for a long time. So maybe, you know, sometime down the road, we can do a sequel and, you can be with your medicine bag and by a river and see yeah. see how it changes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see if it gets more in depth, or maybe who knows? Maybe it becomes more concise. Yeah, maybe it's like one sentence. <laughs> yeah. You just got to do the right thing. That's it. Sometimes, sometimes elders are like that, right? You go, you go to them, and you and you're seeking. Uh, guidance and you ask them the question but then they just ask you the question back and it's like wait what I came here for you to tell me what to do not for me to figure it out on my own you know? sure yeah <laughs> like I, I remember this one guy uh 
they they said that he interpreted dreams, right? I'm not going to say who it was, but uh, so I sent this person to go and talk to them. Then yeah, they took them gifts and tobacco and and uh, they made offerings to him. And they, they were sitting in this uh, lodge and says, yeah, I come here. To, I have a dream uh, I'd like to share. And maybe you could help guide me um, what what it means. So he tells this long story about this dream and he goes, what do you think it means? And, the, and then the elder says, well, well, what does it mean to you? And then, and then the person says, well, this is what I think. And he goes, well, there you go. You just answered it yourself. He says, and I thought, oh, man, that's too funny. But, you know. <laughs> it's interesting that you're in Minneapolis. I actually went, my undergrad years were just outside of Minneapolis. So I spent a lot oh, yeah. of time in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Yeah, I love, I, I really do love it here. I, I had considered living here for a period of time. I was thinking about locating here and, but uh, because of our, our home situation and the large amount of people that we'd have to sort of uproot mm. to come along with me, um, I just kicked it to the curb because it was just too much to, to organize. And I had, um, and, it, and it wasn't about me just leaving and abandoning everybody else. Like it had to be everybody has to come. Can't just, can't just say, well, this is what I'm going to do because I want to do it. And whoever can't make it's going to get left behind so i had to have consideration of everyone that was in the home so so i just decided well it's just not meant to be right now i guess right so how many kids it, do you have at your home like now in our home right now we have four okay this is it's small it's, it's the smallest it's ever been <laughs> got four four children my mom me and my wife and okay that's, that's pretty small for us Wow. How, you know, I know that you've been helping with raising a lot of kids. How did that come about? Like, was it a moment where you knew you were called to do that or did it sort of just happen gradually? Well, it was, it was kind of, that was, that was part of in, in the ceremony hmm. and, uh, that I was going to be working with children. Okay. So, so I sort of brought it forward and my wife got sort of placed with that bird. So I, I don't know if I should call it a burden or or that work or that purpose got placed on her as well. Hmm. So I don't want to say it was, I'm not going to say it's a burden, but it was definitely, it was my purpose that I kind of placed on her. So, and she accepted. So. Well, that's a beautiful thing. So it worked, um, yeah, so it worked out because she could have said, no, I'm not doing this and just packed her suitcase and left them. Then I would have been standing there. Yeah. So when you were given purpose, I'm really curious about that experience. Like, was it words? Was it a feeling? Was it a visual thing? Like, it's a, well, it was a combination of a few things. It was definitely, it came upon all my senses. Some was in a, from a dream state. And some of it was in a sort of an actual awake. Um, I don't want to say a visionary state, but um definitely what that's how it was gifted to i would say it, it was gifted to me in real time of uh, what i was supposed to do but uh one there's one thing about the fasting ceremony is and this is some of the things like i do like i say stuff in comedy and some elders go you shouldn't talk like that you know and i was yeah. like uh, you start going out you start going without food and water for a few days and you're going to see and hear all kinds of things that's what you know i i don't know i i, I call me the skeptical spiritualist but i'm kind of like hey 
I haven't drank or ate anything for four days. You bet things are talking to me. I got right. all kinds of stuff going on, you know, and the longer you stay out there, I think the more visionary it gets. So, so, but um, I'm, I don't want to make fun of it because, because it, it obviously gave me purpose and it, and it was pretty solid. So I can't knock it per se, but there is a part of me inside that still laughs about it because it's like, wow, that was, uh, that was pretty intense. But, uh, and sometimes I, I feel weird talking about it because when you talk about your experiences in ceremony, um, sometimes people go, I think this guy could be a bit loopy. You know, when you start Aww. talking, to, you know, when you, sometimes when you talk about spirituality, some people can kind of go, wait, what? And they get their head twisted sideways. And I've sure. even said myself in comedy, spirituality and uh, spirituality and insanity walk a fine line sometimes. You know, because usually people go, that person's really spiritual or that person's really kooky. I've, I've heard both describing sort of a similar situation. So so when, when I'm having that situation, I'm kind of like going, okay, is this spiritual or am I going a little kooky? I, it's just something, it's probably that's the cop, that's the comedian in me, right? So Yeah, but it's real. Yeah. Yeah, what you're saying is real. Like there's a quote that I heard, I think it was Jung, but I could, I, or it might be Joseph Campbell, but it was the mystic swims in the waters that the psychotic drowns or something like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's almost the same point. waters, but like one can do it and one cannot. What's that? Yeah, that's definitely not mine. That was too intellectual. <laughs> oh, no, Jung. I said either Jung or um, Joseph yeah. Campbell, not you. Oh, well, we're going to give that one to Joseph Campbell. It definitely wasn't mine. <laughs> okay. I meant J-U-N-G, the psychiatrist. Oh. oh okay I see I see um yeah <laughs> um but I you do have a really interesting uh perspective on addiction um I've been to one of the circles that you facilitate and I've been there a couple few times um yeah. and and one of the things you talked about one time was you know like in 12-step programs you know, like if I go to an NA program, because I do go to NA, uh, yep. you know, I, I raise my hand and I say, I'm Pip and I'm an addict. And yep. then I start talking or everybody says, hi, Pip. And then I start talking. Um, yeah. And could you talk a little bit about your perspective on, on that kind of term for a person? I was going to say, this is, where, this is where you lose, this is where you lose 50% or more of your audience because, um, <laughs> Because I don't, I don't believe in a lot in the addiction model. Mm. Um, because I, I guess where it comes from is, is that you're always helpless and hopeless. And I don't, I don't believe in that first and foremost. Mm. I believe that it's, I believe that it's beatable and treatable. Uh, if you even want to call it a disease per se, because that's the second part is I don't believe it's a disease. The only reason it's considered a disease model is because that's how healthcare systems get their funding dollars. Mm -hmm. um, they lay a lot of claim to that because if you actually could prove or claim that it's not uh, a disease, then the medical model is unable to tap tap into the um, the funding dollars that they very easily are able to grasp right now and continue to work on this whole idea of treatment uh i don't believe with alcohol and drugs you don't need treatment you need you need uh education you need um love 
Um, I, I believe there's a lot of things you need more than treatment per se, because I don't believe a person is sick. I believe a, per, a person may have some, some, uh, some behaviors that need adjusting or changing or addressing or whatever, but I, I, don't, I don't see it as being a disease. And some people will argue with me and go, oh, it's been proven, it's been proven. But um, I see people that are able to move beyond and, uh, and heal from it. So I don't think it, I can't, I can't say that you're helpless and hopeless to it. Um, is it an area of weakness for someone? It has become that because people have, have uh, chose it as their medication. They've used it as their coping mechanism. But what you need to do is, uh, I always said that, you don't have a disease. You might be possessed at best. It sort of it might have a grip on you, but you can move past it. You can you can work you can work out of it if you choose to do so. So I don't say that you're helpless or hopeless, and I don't believe in the disease model. So some people get in quite a fluff uh, when I say those kinds of things. Sure, sure. Yeah, we're pretty attached to that definition. And I think oh, yeah. part of the reason, you know, you mentioned that that medical people uh, benefit from that definition. But I also think, you know, it was appealing to a lot of people because it was an alternative to the idea that someone was addicted because they were choosing to be in a bad place. You know, like mm -hmm. uh, addiction, you know, at least gave some relief to the feeling of like guilt or culpability, you know, I think. Yeah. Um, but I, I totally resonate with what you're saying. I still go to NA cause like I, I find a lot of help in the fellowship and stuff like that, but. Well, that's, see, that's, that's where, that's where the power really is at. It's, mm -hmm. it's about, it's about the connection to others because one of the things I find is uh, there's four common things that people with addictions or, when people are told that they have a disease or they have addictions, there's four commonalities that they generally struggle with. One is uh, belonging and connection to others. Uh, the second one is low self-esteem. The third one is a poor sense of identity and uh, roles in their life. And the other one is, is a loss or a poor sense of uh, purpose. So mm. it's very common when you have individuals like that uh, that are struggling um, fellowship is, is one of the power, powerful uh, pieces of healing. So the meeting provides belonging. The meeting allows people to pick up their self-esteem. It also gives them an identity. Believe it or not, when we go to a meeting, we, what, what do we say? I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. Now you have an identity. Mm. You, have, you know, and some people go, well, that's not very positive, but you still belong to something. You're, you, you, you now you resonate with something that you are. You're able to identify with something. And, um, and it gives you purpose. The meeting has somewhere for you to go instead of. So it, it does meet those four roots that uh, people are suffering from that they, that they require to be healthy. So the meeting plays that, that part. And that's what people want. They want to know they're not alone and they want to belong. And that's where the power in that meeting is held. Um, again, another part is, is there is that connection to God or to spirit. So the meeting holds that as well. Because now, you know, I've surrendered and I've given myself to, to my higher power. And turn, turn things over to my higher power. So that's another sense of belonging piece again. And identity. 
right? And it gives you purpose as well. So I see, I see the, the strength of that program and how it works and why it would work. Um, so I, I never knock it per se. I just kind of say that there, there is a different way that you don't have to be helpless and hopeless. You don't have to be less than you can, you can be, you can be more than, and, uh, you can heal, but as long as you tell yourself you're, you, you, that you're, you can never heal, you never will. You're, you're never going to, you're never going to get better because you're telling yourself you can't. So I don't. I've never found uh, strength in that. Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, something kind, you know, uh, still related to this topic. Um, you, one of the circles that I attended that you were facilitating, uh, you talked about like guilt and shame. Um, and yeah, those, yeah, those are, those are, those are, uh, killers. I actually give them, like, I give them, uh, personalities, right? Like, you know, like guilt's my cousin that lives across the road and then there's, then there's shame, you know, shame lives across the road and they come over and, you know, and they just raised, just raise havoc in my life. And, and, and that's what we're addiction, addictions stem from something, right? That like people don't just aren't addicted there it's it's a very complex situation but if, if when you sit down and you find people that have addictions they when you start looking at their inner lives you start to find that they're struggling with shame they struggle with guilt anger envy rejection uh, there's there's um, abandonment there's so many different things and each one of those areas is a topic that you could spend days just talking about uh, depending on the individual. And then of course, for many, uh, individuals, they have a, I would say the combo special. So you don't generally just have one of them. You might have a multitude of them all, um, that you're carrying all at once. So it, they're all areas that need, they need attention. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm particularly interested in guilt and shame because, um, you know, the 12 steps programs, I feel like center around those a lot, you know, like the 12 steps, you know, they're the first three are like surrendering, handing over your will and stuff. But yeah. then, you know, you get into your fourth step, you have to list like all the shit you did wrong. And then you have to yeah. confess it to someone and then you have to yeah. make amends. So it's a and, lot and of work around that. Yeah. So my, one of the questions I always ask people is what happens to people when they relapse in the program? Hmm. And that's, if I've asked, that's got to be the toughest part for anybody who is struggling um, with addictions is when they actually slip. What's the first thing they feel? Guilt and shame, right? And I always say, why? And that's one of the things I like to ask people is why are you feeling guilt and shame? For, you know, and is it because of what you're going to receive from your fellowship? Or is it stuff that you're going to put upon yourself? And the question is, why are you putting that upon yourself? It's because you're already carrying it from life, from past life experiences. So you're just amplifying it. You're putting it on top of the things that you're already uh, carrying. So it it, it literally multiplies. Mm -hmm. Um, And you could say by five, by 10, whatever. But uh, for everybody, it's different. So it's 
what was what you were already carrying you just you just you just tack on more on top of what you were already carrying that you didn't address initially mm. because even though the program states that you need to list all the bad things you've done and, and you got to make these confessions does it really teach you how to deal with that guilt and shame that you're carrying mm. other than you just got to you, you got to surrender yourself and state everybody all the bad things you've done but how have you really worked on the guilt and the shame probably not and that, because that's the area that a lot of people don't address and that's why they relapse that's why they continue to have all kinds of struggles uh then they start getting cross addictions because you never really dealt with the issues alcohol and drugs is the void filler and that's that's the difference i think the main that, that what i share and what i've come to terms with is different than what the disease model is teaching the disease model is stating i have a disease and we can just blame everything on that but in actuality alcohol and drugs is just the is the medication that's what you're taking to fill the void that's what you're using to cover up the the struggles so when you get off that stuff or you are able to get get it in check then it's like what's still outstanding what what do you what do you need to uh really address well it might be anger it might be abandonment it might be shame it might be guilt and uh, uh abandonment uh abuse sexual physical emotional uh, ritual whatever um so there's just there's this grab bag of struggles that have never really been addressed. And, and that's what I call it, the luggage or, the, or it's them bricks or that weight that you're carrying. And that's what usually calls you back to addictions is when you can't seem to deal with the things that have been weighing you down or that are irritating you or have infected you per se, you know, whatever, whatever term you want to use. That's that's what that's what the true issue is and if you get right down past all of those things the common the common seed uh is generally the lack of love if, when i when you, when you meet people with a di serious addiction issues nine times out of ten i'm going to say are the the true issue that has manifested all the struggles is a lack of love or a disconnection from it hmm. i hope you're still with me this is so deep. yeah yeah i am okay. this is this is good stuff um yeah. so if someone is struggling with like guilt and shame um you know like the answer is to receiving more love giving themselves love or like what what do they do with that baggage well I, I, it all depends. See, that's the part. This is where the real challenge is, is because I don't think there's a there's a single program out there where you could say, I'm going to work with this entire group of people and we're going to deal with shame just in general. And, and, I, and I got a shame program because everybody's shame is different. Like with some shame, um, there's toxic behaviors that are tied to it. With some shame, there's just uh, poor self-esteem and embarrassment. Like, th there's so many different um, attributes to shame. 
there's it's, it's a very complex thing and it's about really taking yourself as an individual and 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 really hammering out what what does your shame look like what like where where, where does it derive from um you know is it from experiences and incidences is it from uh where you were raised and, and how you were brought up um so is it does it come from belief systems it's um it, to, to me it's one of the most interesting things because that's to me is is the where you really got to get those are the roots of the problem right the roots of addiction come from these things so they're they're complex there's no, no easy i don't think there's an easy fix for it but you have to work sort of independently and individually on it and really addressing what needs to be addressed. And you've got to identify what those things are that are weighing you down. And, and, and that's hard to do when you're by yourself sometimes. Sometimes you definitely need someone to help you uh, walk through it. Uh, another one that, that a lot of people face addiction issue with is with grief and loss. Yeah. And that, that's another big piece. And uh, of course, guilt and shame can be tied in with that. So guilt and shame can be tied sort of a, a, a partnership with grief and loss. And uh, so not only are you suffering, for, suffering from grief and loss, you're, you're carrying shame and guilt about that loss and about that grief. So like I said, it's, it's, it's one of those topics that it, it really, it's very individual. It's, individualistic i don't know if that's a word is that even a word yeah yeah it totally. doesn't I, I just made it up now <laughs> individualistic it's it really it, it plays on it has to do with that individual's uh connection to it and and just walking through it step by step um but the biggest piece is if you got to be able to identify it and then the second part is being able to look at it dissect it um take it apart what's so, because some people's guilt and shame isn't even theirs. They're carrying other people's, they're carrying other people's stuff. It's not even theirs. It doesn't belong to them. Uh, whereas for others, of course, we definitely uh, play a part in it and we own it. So our actions and behaviors did create or manifest troubles for others. And we definitely got to take ownership for them. The other part of guilt and shame that's difficult is when we when we suffer from regret or another part of guilt and shame that's interesting is denial when uh we we have played a part in it but we won't take ownership in it so um it, i hope i hope this isn't confusing you know yeah. uh, sometimes when i talk about this stuff i i, I sort of know in my head and in my heart and then i'm like i hope i'm explaining this well or people are just like what the heck is this guy talking about yeah i think it makes perfect sense and it's something that i think about a lot um yes. as someone who has had harm caused to me but also someone who has caused harm like i've thought about it from both sides of that um yeah. it's something that i think about a ton so it makes perfect sense yeah and then the other part of it guilt and shame that there's a tie-in around forgiveness right and there's things that maybe you can forgive others for and there's, uh, there's things that you can forgive yourself for and then there's that other piece of things that you can't forgive yourself for or forgive others for and then and then there's that whole piece around well do I really need to to do that 
do? Do I need to forgive uh, for this? And if I'm not going to, what's the, what, what's going to be my solution? Because I can't let it keep feeding at me. So I have to find a way. Um, Father Leo Booth used to talk about the, the term letting go. Uh, in Ojibwe, we have a saying, it's called manosa. Uh, manosa means like, uh, you just got to let it be, let it happen. It, it is what it is. And uh, there's nothing more you can do about it. And um, it's, instead of ruminating on it and I guess pick, picking at it and making it fester as opposed to doing ceremonies to, to release it. So in Ojibwe, we have ceremonies to help you release things. To let to let things go, and uh, so that's that's one means of doing it, right? The other part is if you're going to do it in a, in a sort of maybe in a more uh, conventional method, maybe you're going to use it through doing through journaling, through art therapy, or whatever. There's different there's different ways of helping uh, individuals move past certain things, but it's about finding what works for them. And that's, and that's the other thing that I think is so important in healing is that we, it has to come from us to some degree. It has to be our plan. Because a lot of times we go and people tell us what we should do, and this is how you should do it. This is the steps you should do it, and it never works because it's not your plan. It's somebody else's plan, and it's not working because it's not natural for you. It has to come, it has to come from you. And then when it's successful, you can say, hey, I came up with that. That was my plan, and it's working good. <laughs> You know, but when someone else gives you the plan, it's like, I'm not even comfortable doing this. Well, why? Because it's not my plan. It's never going to work because it's, it, it isn't how I see fit doing it. And then, of course, some people will say, well, I need somebody to tell me what to do. And there are there are groups of people that are like that, right? They need something they got to follow. Give me something to follow and I'll do it. But it doesn't work sometimes because it's not your plan. So... I always believe that that's an important part. There's a couple uh, of, of things I'd like to go back to. Um, when you, you mentioned that, um, you know, some of the stuff you kind of need somebody to work through it with, yes. um, you know, one of the benefits of a 12 step program is that it's everywhere. So like, if you want to go that route, you can find people pretty easy. Um, but if, if you want, if a person wants to go, you know, more through the kind of holistic perspective that you're expressing, you know, like how can they find somebody to help them? Yeah. Um, well, that, that's always interesting too, right? Because it's, it's about the individual you choose, uh, shows you, um, sort of the, I guess the approach, right. Uh, or the methods that they utilize. So. If you go to AA, right, you're going, there's a program and, and a step program that you got to follow. And then when you don't follow it, they tell you that you're in denial and that you're going to relapse. And uh, they're, they're not supportive to you because you're not doing what you're told to do. Mm -hmm. So then you're going, well, maybe I'll go to the spiritual perspective. So if you go down the road to a pastor, the pastor is going to tell you, you need to pray to God and ask for forgiveness. That you're a sinner. And once you take the Lord, your Lord and Savior into life, you will be saved and then, and then you will receive God's blessing and healing and you will be healed. Uh, if you go to a psychiatrist, he's going to talk to you about your mind, your processing and how you think. And uh, he might give you some some substances or, or chemicals to make, 
you know, they call them drugs. He's going to give you drugs to this one to stop you from being too happy. This one to stop you from being anxious. This one to stop you from being too sad. This one to make you, you know, this one makes you more happy. This one slows you down. But he, he generally works with the mind. The social worker says we got to deal with feelings. We got to deal with your feelings, your past, and your inner child, and so on and so forth. Uh, we go to a physical, holistic healer that does the body, and he tells you just go to the gym, run, lift weights, um, proper nutrition, eat the right foods, and uh, you'll work. It's about finding that rounded person that sort of meets. Uh, your plan, or, or you got to find the people that um, are going to work best for you. And sometimes that's a hit and miss, right? So you're going to go somewhere. And I, the only thing I will say is when you're looking for people, find people that lift, lift you up, that pick up your spirits, pick up your thinking positive, uh, lifting your emotions, um, help you take care of your body. If you're going somewhere and, some, and the individual or the circle that you're in is pulling you down, or making you feel less than, or shameful, or guilty, or that's a place you need to get away from. Mm-hmm. If someone's making you feel less than, that's not that's not helping you. So I always say find individuals that feed your spirit. Um, and another interesting thing I heard that was said to me one time uh, by an individual says, if you hang around uh, 10 crack addicts, you're probably going to be a crack addict. If you hang around, if you hang around ten people that do healing practices, you're, you're probably going to heal. So I, I always like to keep that in as a, sort of a perspective to come from: is circle yourself around individuals that you're going to learn and build strength from. And if you're going somewhere and it's making you feel less than, and or it's pulling you down, you need you need to get away from it. Mm. So that's sort of how I look at it for, for my life is don't don't circle yourself with individuals that are going to pull you down yeah that's good advice um I wanted to touch back on you mentioned uh more than once while we were talking Ojibwe ceremonies um yep. I'm just curious like you know, what your worldview is on like how those can help a person heal. Is it like intercession to an outside force? Is it your energy, like meeting with the energy of the world or like, how, how does that work? Mm, that's a good question. I've got to, I've got to, again, I've got, like I said, I, sometimes I'm a skeptical spiritualist, right? So <laughs> I mean, uh, sometimes I look at it in a funny funny way and as some people say an inappropriate way they're saying you know you're not being very you know you're not practicing in a good way if you're you're thinking like that or um to to me the ceremonies is is sort of that is sort of a connection of your inner self to the world around you so i think there's an internal there's internal factors that are involved and there's also that there's that external factors that are that are surrounding you you know, whether it be what's within the universe or on the land or uh, what's immediately around you in nature, like that kind of thing. Um, there's also a connection to spirit. So there are some people that don't believe in that stuff, but, you know, there, I was always taught to believe that there's, we have connections to things 
in or on this earth, whether they're elements or beings, then they'll they'll guide us and give us strength. So other people would call that superstitions, maybe, or uh, supernatural focus pocus. Like some people make fun of those kinds of things, but the other part is is, is it's what you believe is where you drive your strength from. Um, and what you believe can also uh, is what keeps you sick or makes you weak. So it's about it's about believing in things that are going to give you strength and lift you up. So if you buy, if you believe or buy into, I guess, uh, ceremonies, and you and you have a faith and a belief that these are going to work, they'll work. If you think they're silliness and foolishness, quite likely. It's not going to work out for you too well, right? Because it's like, if anything, if you belittle it or uh, minimize it or make fun of it, it's never going to, it's never going to serve you on uh, purpose. It's never going to guide you in a good way because you're, if you're mocking it or treating it less than, it's not going to, uh, you know, give you strength. So your strength comes from, you know, what guides you, what you believe in. Hmm. So we're kind of skipping around a little bit. There's so many topics that we could talk about. I feel like we didn't even touch on yeah. even close to everything I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, I just have a couple more questions. I'm curious a little bit more about the cultural teaching work that you do. Um, yeah. Like if there's what, what would, if you could have one teaching that you could, you know, uh, teach, people who came into your classes, what would it be? Oh, boy. Um, well, I would have to say that the seed, the seed to wellness is love. That's what I'd say. That'll be my sentence. And, I, and I'll probably carry it, I think, from this day forward. The seed to wellness is love. Hmm. And if you're missing that, you're going to be you're going to be struggling in life. Hmm. And uh, that's what I that I always try to hope to help people find. I want to help people find that uh, seed seed to wellness. And uh, through all the really through all the ceremonies and all the discussions and all what the sacred items represent and all that really that's what it comes down to because love is in the center of all things and it radiates in all directions so the seat the seat to wellness or the seat to happiness is love that's what i would want people to to, to connect to or to find or and i believe that can radiate out and do some amazing things but it's getting people back to that when everybody's roots have been damaged you know how do we get that how do we get that seed replanted uh so my last question i is kind of only half formed in my mind so i'm hoping that i can get it out right but um you know, I sort of think about um, 
kind of, you know, moving from, we were just talking about, you know, people's individual healing, um, moving from the personal to kind of, you know, the, um, global, you know, um, we're kind of in a mess right now. Um, (laughs) and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, you know, including, you know, patriarchy, colonialism, capitalism, white supremacy, all that, um, you know, from your spiritual and cultural perspective, like how did those kind of forces come to be and, and what can we do to get out of this mess? Oh, if I had, if I had, the, answer, if I had the answer to that, well, if I had the answer to that, someone would kill me, <laughs> right? There, there have been, there have been some amazing prophets mm-hmm. and uh, people that carried uh, gifts and when they brought those things forward people were threatened by them and they got rid of them um, sure when we look at someone like Jesus for example right he was a uh, uh, claimed to be now I'm gonna say claimed to be the son of God mm-hmm. um, but if you say that, then I lose another 50% of the audience again. Um, so there'd be nobody listening at this point. Um, Jesus was a messenger, right? And no matter how he got here, um, he, he talked about the seed of love. And he challenged the system, right? He said that there's something, there's, he said that there's something greater there's something greater than these systems. There's something greater than kings. There's something greater than government. There's something greater than, and they're like, this guy's got to go, right? <laughs> he's going to cause problems because um, yeah. he's talking about the seed of love and we got to get rid of him. Like how many people get threatened just by, by that? Uh, John Lennon, Yeah, right? I was, I was just thinking about John Lennon, you know? Yeah. Like John Lennon, you can see he was a rock star. He was a drug addict. He was uh, he was a hippie. He was all these things. But John Lennon was a messenger, and through his songs, he talked about love. And the more he got connected to it, and the more that he talked about the system, this people in the system and people that are that are fed through the system go. This guy's got to go, right? And you can say, well, the guy that went after him, maybe he was mentally insane or maybe, you know, but there was something that triggered that guy to get rid of him. And it's because even anybody that talks about the seed of love and healing and wellness, people get rid of them. Mm. It's because they're threatened by it. Because the, really the system, the system functions on unwellness. It doesn't run on wellness. If, um, if the system run, run, ran on wellness, there would be more healing going on when you look at healthcare, there's more, there's more maintenance than there is healing, right? When you really look at it, um, a lot of the spiritual practices that have, that have, that have been carried out throughout the years, even, um, they have atrocities attached to them. And, and that, and that's a terrible thing to have to say. And, and it's harder for people to admit, especially when it's something that we followed because we went to it seeking love and we were told this is where love could be found but when when some organizations and some places have been built 
and they're the ones that actually executed the messenger, it's kind of hard to put your fault, your faith into that, yeah. you know? So, but when, when I talk about these, these types of things, if I start talking about that too loudly, people, they'll start plugging your ears. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. This is all like, because nobody wants to challenge what's been fed to them. And that's probably the toughest part. People don't want to look at what the systems have fed them because some of it is lies and it's used for power and control. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's being able to be brave enough to say, I'm going to take a look at this and I'm going to believe and I'm going to listen to my own heart and not follow the mass of what everybody else is saying. Because sometimes when people feed something too much, it literally comes to life. It's kind of like uh, mass hysteria. It's kind of like, hey, did you see that? Did you see that that uh, wisp over there? What wisp? That wisp right there. Oh, yeah, I see that wisp. That's a ghost. Yep. Oh, that's her. that's got to be a ghost, right? Yep. And everybody just keeps going on. Next thing you know, you got yourself a full, full-blown full entity going on. That's because everybody fed into it, <laughs> right? And sometimes we say that, oh, this is true. This is true. This was, you know. What happened? That was that was cheating. It was all it was all made up. That never happened. You know, it was all a lie. They cheated. Oh, they cheated. Yeah, they did. They did cheat. And everyone starts to believe it. And um, yeah, so after a while, everyone starts to believe the lies, as opposed to really seeing what the truth is. And uh, we see it every day. You know, and 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 I don't know what it's going to take for the world to not participate any anymore in it because uh it guides us in all aspects of our life healthcare, education religion politics um a lot of the stuff that our families have taught us some of it isn't necessarily true um some of the some of, like like there's things that I, I was raised with it's uh it's not really true some of the things that I've been told growing up, but it's kind of like eventually you gotta say, I no, I'm not buying this anymore. I'm not and, uh, I think when you fi- start to find your freedom and your freedom to believe it, to think for yourself, you start to see a lot of the stuff that's being uh, put in front of us is not factual at all, and it's not the truth. And uh, and and that's um, I think it can be a very scary moment for people. Mm-hmm. you know and I think that's why sometimes we tend to cling to things even though we might not even believe it anymore but it's like it's all we have this is what we have left to go by so we just stick with it because that maybe we, the truth is just too much to take on sometimes too scary to really look at it for what it is I don't know if I sound crazy or not. I hope no, not. I agree a hundred percent with everything that you said. Um, I mean, we're, we're basically out of time, but I mean, I just got to say like, as you were talking, you know, like I was thinking about that and I, everything you're saying and, you know, like I really feel that. Yeah. Um, and I have for years, but at the same time, like right now I'm so enmeshed with the system, you know? Oh yeah, we all are. So am I. Our, a lot of our bread and butter comes from it. Everything, everything that we're involved with. And if you challenge it, mm-hmm. you're out. You'll be kicked to the curb so fast. 
and isolated and uh, tarred and feathered, however you want to call it. We're literally not getting tarred and feathered anymore. But if mm-hmm. they could, I'm sure they would. You know, yeah. you'd be stoned. You'd be stoned in the town square if you were allowed. If they were allowed to do it, you know, or, or just you know, ignored to the point of being destitute. You know, like yeah. you know, That's sort right. of ostracized or, um, yeah. Yeah, if you go to anything, anything that's organized and you challenge the basic belief system of what they're doing there, you're done. They don't want you around anymore because yeah. you threaten you threaten the balance of it. And they don't want that because they're we're going with we go with what we're taught and this is the way it is. And it doesn't matter how many atrocities they've done, it doesn't right. matter, you know, what the past was, we'll forgive and forget, move on. Right, uh, right. We're right. not going to bring that up anymore. It was a mistake. People yeah. make mistakes. You make mistakes too, right? Well, you got to let things, some things go. And it's like, no, these were pretty big atrocities, actually. But no. Right. That our culture can't. is still based on the inequalities that stem from them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the damage well, is we continuing. Talk about, well, <laughs> we, talk about, we talk about freedom, right? And we talk yeah. about, well, any one of us, any one of us could, could lead you know, this country or lead our state or really, do do people really believe that? Because it's not true. The only way you're going to hold one of those seats is first and foremost, you're going to have to know a certain percentage of people and you're going to have have to have a certain amount of money. If you can't come up with that, then you're not going to serve sort of the bigger picture of what they want. You're never going to get any of those titles because you're not doing what they want you to do. Yeah, and, and, and that sucks as an adult when you find that out. When you realize that you know, because people say, "Oh, change is you know, change is possible." A lot of people die for it. A lot yeah. of people die for change to make change. They've become martyrs or were sacrificed for for their beliefs. Sure, and that and that goes right back with people fighting for rights and freedoms of others, right? Like I, I think of. I think of powerful people like, you know, uh, Martin Luther, you know, Martin Luther uh-huh. King, people like that, try to stand up for people's rights. And when you get a little too loud, you disappear, right? Because that's enough. That's enough from this person. They don't want you changing things up. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you know, to, to you know, be kind of a leader within the system, you need connections and money. And like, honestly, you need a certain degree of complicity to get either of those. That's right. You got to jump the hoops and do and, and believe what everybody else believes. And if you don't, you're not going to even, you're not even going to get to the circle. You're not even going to get in there. Cause, yeah. Yeah. And if you do, and if you were able to get into that circle, they're going to find reasons why you shouldn't be in the circle and they'll publicize it, whether it's truth or not, to get you out of there. They don't want you changing. They don't want you changing anything up. Yeah. The world. The world works. The system works, and it's broken. And that's the way they want to keep it. That's what makes the the wheel go round, so to speak. It might yeah. be a bumpy wheel, but that's how it. That's how it's running. Yeah. But. Yeah. That's kind of a morbid, morbid way to finish, isn't it? But, <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that's depressing. <laughs> and with that, let's go watch television. <laughs> Netflix, Amazon Prime. All right. 
Yeah, with that, two hours of TikTok. That'll fix it. <laughs> well, you know, maybe you'll just have to come on the show another time and, and we can, you know, bring it to a more uplifting place. Yeah. Uh, I, I generally, yeah, I generally laugh. It's like, wow, I kind of went to a down, Downersville. One-way ticket to Downersville. Come on over. <laughs> First class VIP seats. <sighs> I'm, I'm supposed to be on here talking about uh, changes, changes, you know, changes is, is, uh, possible when we believe and we're ready to make that. I should be preaching that saying, yeah. you know, the opportunities and the possibilities are endless. And, but I, I like to come from that place of, of truth that if you, if you are going to work towards making change, you better be ready to have a lot of obstacles put in front of you. But yeah. You know, for some things in your life, I think it is possible that you can achieve and that you can better yourself and better your healing and your wellness. I, I think it is possible, but I always say, don't don't worry about changing the world. Maybe that's how I can finish this. Is, okay. It's not about how you're going to change the world. It's about how are you going to change yourself. You know, how are you how are you going to reach your uh, true potential, or how are you going to be? Uh, the best version of you and I think if you can achieve that in a lifetime you've really done done something because it does radiate off you right it, it it does radiate off onto your children it radiates off onto your family it radiates off your friends and in your circle mm-hmm. if, if you can if you can be the change you know that's that there, there's truly power in that there, there you can there's a there's a there's a healing that's in that but it has to start from within and ourselves and will it radiate out to others and if you can achieve that and spread to others i think then you've really done something but i think sometimes maybe maybe that's the thing we're shooting too high you know because we've always heard shoot for the stars and and uh you know sometimes we just don't come close but if we were to just maybe focus on hey why don't we just work on myself here? And if I can get my ducks in a row, things are going to be a lot better for me and everyone around me. And uh, and then if it radiates on to a few other people, then you know some really positive stuff can happen. Mm. I think maybe that's part of it. Is we're too worried about big picture things that we we don't have a say in. And even if there was two hundred thousand of us or one million of us, and we had we still don't it still don't count. You know, like if you think about the big picture, a million people's vote don't count. It, it, it doesn't matter. It isn't until you get in where you're starting to get 50% of the population. And even then, it still doesn't count. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, start, we're starting to see in our society, it can be 50-50 and it still don't count, right? So it's kind of like, where's the line? Where, when does it actually start to count, you know, for some things? And uh, the, the world is so polarized yet. It's like just pick a side, pick a side, and stay on that side. Those people are on that side. Don't talk to that side anymore. It's like, oh my god, it's, it's just—it's absolute craziness, right? So that's why I always say every time I say something on, on a show like this, or uh, when I'm getting interviewed, as soon as I say one sentence, like, oh, I don't know, it's this guy anymore. La la la. They plug their ears. <laughs> uh, you didn't—you didn't agree with that one fundamental thing that I believe in, so. Uh, it's 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 tough nowadays, and for me, it's really hard to even 
state what I believe because I don't want to lose 50% of my audience, 50% of my friendship, 50% of my family because I believe this or I said this. You can't say that word. I don't want to talk to you no more. And it was stopping off. Like, it was a word. It's like, it's no big deal. You know, but everybody's really, really touchy now. Mm. And uh, maybe that's going to be the coming or the next reckoning that's going to cause a big healing movement. But it seems like things are just so divided now. It's like, pick a side. I'm on this side. You're on that side. Let's fight. You know, we're going to fight about it. It's like, People just got to learn to relax on some things and some things aren't really our issue to battle. Yeah. And there's not a lot of room for like nuance or being human or complexity yeah. or mistakes, learning. Or, or, or the whole story. I only, it's all, I only heard part of the story. I've had some yeah. people just said, yeah, but you didn't see anything else prior to what you saw in the video or prior to what, you know, uh, actually took place or you only heard one side of the story. And uh, people are casting judgments. Yeah, uh, it's 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 a real it's a really tough time. Of course, the internet plays a big part in it too. Sure. But if, you look, if you look at the internet, how much truth is actually on there versus uh, just people's perceptions? And some of them aren't that well. <laughs> you know, you're getting you're getting some really bizarre information out there, and going, "That's the truth." You're like, you know, that's just someone's perception whose uh, page you went on before looking at the other information, you better you should look at a few more uh, websites. And yeah. it'd be no different than if we were going to heal, heal uh, work on our addictions. What are you going to visit first? The first two or three things that pop up, are you going to really research and take a look at a, a rounded form of different kinds of healing? Or are you just going to go with three first things that pop up because it had the most hits? Yeah. Well, and there's also the echo chambers that get created. You know, I'm dealing with that with my 14 year old who's online and like, you know, they're developing very strong opinions about things, including, you know, feeling like everything I'm doing as a parent is wrong. And I'm not saying I'm a perfect parent, but like they're getting pretty set in their opinions that like any kind of guidelines I'm even giving them is like oppressive. And, and somehow they're in an echo chamber on discord or wherever they are that they're right, you know, and so they just get back to them, their own opinion, like amplified. Yeah. And they're not hearing me. They're not hearing other perspectives. And it's like, I, you know, it's, um, but that's, I mean, that's happening everywhere. That's, that's at the, the full scale, you know, <laughs> macro well, level. I, I will, I will share this with you is that uh, in the last couple of months, the internet has caused some very big difficulties in my home with my children. Mm. I took the internet away from my eight-year-old. I took my, the internet away from my 12-year-old. And for a period of about a month and a bit, I took it away from my 16-year-old. And by that, I mean, I just took away all the devices. I paid for them and I just took it away. And I caught them just like an addict sneaking another device in the house. And I took that away too. And uh, I said, until you achieve some of the things that you need to achieve, um, you're going to lose some of this. I said that the internet is not a right. It's a privilege at best. And, sure. um, and it's not even a good one to some degree. Um, yeah. with, the, with the abilities you have on the internet, you should be super intelligent. 
uh, you should be almost alien or spirit like with, <laughs> with, with with the gifts that you can get on there. Yeah. Uh, but you're not using it for that. You're on there doing inappropriate things, looking at things that are inappropriate, and it's got to go. And I'll tell you, in the last, well, since since school got out, yeah, my one girl's been off it for over a month, and uh, yeah, the other one's been several. Yeah, uh, there's been a, there's been dramatic improvements in their behavior. Dramatic, and I and I'm beginning to think like these things got to go, and then but I'm kind of still glued to it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe this is, I got to get this out of my life too. Unfortunately, as a performer, I'm tied to it around marketing. I'm tied to it around, but it's like, how do I start to police myself mm. and remove myself from the foolishness that's on there? And uh, I need to take steps. And I, and I, and I'm going to admit it on here with you today that it's something that really needs to be addressed because there's just too much on there that I don't need to know, or I don't need to be involved in, or it's not accurate. So why am I even looking at it in the first place? Mm-hmm. So uh, I know what the less that I'm on it, and the more that I'm doing other things, the happier my life becomes. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll give you one quick example. So, yeah. you know, the echo chamber I'm talking about, and this touches in with what you were talking about with your kids and entitlement with the internet. Um, you know, I was having trouble getting my child and they use they, them pronouns to go to school. Um, and like, you know, the psychologist, we had all kinds of experts weighing in. The psychologist recommended that on days they didn't go to school, they didn't get internet or, you know, the computer. And so, you know, like one day I took their computer away and they were so deeply offended and they were a hundred percent sure that what I would had done was like wrong with a capital W, you oh, know, yeah. that I had violated their consent is how they worded it, you yeah. know, which it's like, I taught them about consent, you know, like trying to teach them, you know, about healthy boundaries, physically, sexually, when you're an adult, you know, that yeah. kind of thing, you know, you should have healthy consent, but like, I never meant to imply that it meant that I couldn't take things away from them. That's right. <laughs> Like they don't get that. That's actually my right. <laughs> no, they well, I, I, this generation believes that uh, they just get what they want. There is no word called no. Um, they can do as they please when they please, and uh, you, you can't challenge that because otherwise you're violating their mm-hmm. rights. Well, we have a thing called who's paying for what. You don't have to pay. You don't have to purchase any of that stuff because it's a privilege. It's not a right. So it's the same reason some people don't have TVs in their home or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Eventually you can just say, I, or um, I'm not paying for an eight-cylinder car anymore because I'm done with it. I'm just, I'm not going to participate in it anymore. Um, I'm not, and, and, and it can be for financial reasons. It can be for wellness reasons, whatever. But some, sometimes just because everybody has it doesn't mean it's a good thing. And we, we have to start taking a look at that. Yeah. 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 And uh, I've done it. And uh, things are going good. And mm-hmm. I might continue it with the school year. Um, 
I have one child that just uh, got it back intermittently while they're down here in the States. But when they get home, they don't get out and look for a job. They're losing it again. Hmm. Just keep taking things away until they get out and do what they need to do. Because <sighs> we, we can't have a bunch of stay-at-home grown adults. <laughs> they got to get out there and uh, get with the world. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought that I would be the parent that's like, you have to do what the world says you have to do. That means going to school. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to, you know, there's certain societal expectations that you have to live up to. I didn't think I would be saying those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I, I know, and it can be hard. Like, I know, like, for for education system, sometimes socially can be the most difficult place for people to have to go to. I, I totally get that. And, and and helping people um, work through that, through those difficulties, can be very, very hard. But uh, but in retrospect, if you're not going to go to that building, then what are you going to? There was a period of time I told my daughter in grade ten. I said, if you want to quit, if you want to quit school and you want to put all your energy into music, I'll support that decision. I said you can always go back to school yeah. later. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get certificates and all that. Uh, if, you, if this is what you want to invest in. And I, I gave her total, I was like, you can do this. And it was kind of like, for a bit, she was like, yeah, I could do this. And I said, but you're going to do music all the time. Like you're going to be working with musicians and you're going to be writing and you're going to be, you're, I'm just giving you the opportunity to invest in what you truly love. And then it was like, well, what I truly love is social interaction. What I truly love is, is, um, participating in activities with with groups and my friends so I said well then you better stay in school but uh you know sometimes I I I think school doesn't doesn't have to be the be all end all if you're going to invest into something else because some I think some children have gifts and if you can let them uh if you can sort of seed them and and flourish them like they can do some amazing things and uh, you don't need a grade 12 to do it if you've already got knowledge and you've got the skills and the, and the effort to, to make something happen. But um, you've got to have that kind of drive, right? That's that self-motivation to, to make things happen. As, as same as with adults, you've got to have that, that drive to make things happen. If you don't, well, you know, uh, only the minimals, only the minimals going to happen. You've got to be able to, you've got to be able to, push it and make and, and make things go yeah and I agree with you about um college being optional but yeah. you know like my kid is gonna be a freshman in high school um yeah. so it can't be optional you know like we're not yeah. even allowed to have them drop out you know <laughs> like That's I could cool. go well, to jail that. if they don't go to school actually yeah well yeah well it's that or you do what you got to do is what's called you, I don't know what it's like where you're from but you could do homeschooling but you've got to prove Ugh. you know this is that this is what you're using and the sort of the curriculum you're following and all that you still gotta you gotta answer to someone about it right yeah so. I tried it I couldn't do it <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, yeah, our, uh, our conversation has, has gone almost 25 minutes over. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we could talk all day, but, um, but we should probably wrap up. Yeah, Any yeah. 
Any final words of wisdom you'd like to share with the audience? I think the biggest thing after you probably you, you cut some of this out. Well, uh, like I said, the biggest thing, I, uh, I think the uh, seed to wellness and happiness is love. And, uh, and, it's, and love is in the center of all things in it. And it radiates out and feeds, feeds everything else around it. You know, and, and, I, and I believe that's the key. We've got to get back to, we've got to get back to love. That's beautiful. I just got to look around, make sure no one's going to get me now. <laughs> soon as you start talking like that people are like that guy's gotta go <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on the show it has been a pure pleasure thanks thanks for having me yeah take care all right Bye. good night good night thank you for listening please join us again another day on pip talk <laughs>